crumbled, buildings entirely just crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I I really need to leave. So the fences informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I I see some people running now. And the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. Exciting episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, the official podcast of AquamanShrine.com and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, the Zygote, Rob Kelly of Aquaman Shrine. How you doing, buddy? What does that mean? Zygote? Well, I know what a zygote. I know what a zygote is, but what does that mean in this context? It's a, it's a Z word that seemed convenient and uh, made you sound small and childish. Very, very nice. Very nice. <laughs> Well, folks, uh, we are going to kick back, put on our, uh, our, our nerdy pajamas and, uh, or, or T-shirts or whatever and rock a little geek talk this week. It's been a while since we've, we've been really hyper-focused on topics lately. And, you know, we're just not those kind – we don't prepare that enough often, so we need a break. And, and, you know, Frank, just on my end, I've had a really rough Fra- week. Well, Frank? You just called me Frank? No. I said to be Frank. Oh. Calm down. Okay. Calm down. <sighs> I, I had heart, pul- uh, I just, heart palpitations. I had a really rough week, and I just didn't want to talk about anything heavy, so we're just going to meander for about the next 45 minutes. That, that, that's Ooh. really the truth of it. I'm in a meandering mood, let me tell you. <laughs> I've had a bit of a rough patch myself, so I am happy to be here, chilling out with a good friend of mine, talking about something I kind of dig, and that might be comics. I'm just saying. <laughs> so... Um, you know, before we get rolling here, we should probably give thanks to our sponsors. Absolutely. So, folks, uh, this episode and all the other episodes of the Fire & Water Podcast are sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. Now, if you're not familiar with InStockTrades, then clearly you don't pay attention to this part of the show, but I'll read it again. It is, in fact, your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 45% off, with free shipping for orders of $50 or more, which, damn, that's nice. I wanted to talk this week about a book that I have enjoyed the hell out of. It is actually one of the new 52 books, and I know somebody just stopped and went, what? (laughs) A new book you're liking? Yes, there is a new 52 book that I just absolutely love. I've praised it a few times in the show, but here, folks, if you're not reading The Flash... By Francis Manipal and Brian Busolato, whose name I probably said wrong, 
You really should be. Um, I didn't expect to like this book when I, you know, I did not want to read a Barry Allen Flash comic because I am a Wally West guy. But this comic is great. I really enjoy it. The art is fantastic. These guys are incredibly artistic. They, they understand how to mesh because they're writing and drawing. I mean, because Francis Manifold is writing and drawing, he really understands how to mesh all of it together. Anyway, the, the, there's a hardcover out there. It's called F- The Flash, Volume 1, Move Forward. And it covers the first eight issues of the monthly series. We already talked about the creative team. It's great. It's 192 pages. Normally goes for $24.99 because, you know, it's a hardcover. However, if you get it through InStockTrades.com, you can get it for $13.74. That's 45% off. Hell of a good read. Gorgeous art. You, trust me, you will love this. So, what you got, Rob? Oh, it sounds, sounds very nice. You told me about how nice the art is, and I have checked out those splash pages, which are really quite beautiful and very cinematic. Those yeah. flash, those flash splash pages. So they, that is a nice looking book. Um, I was digging through a box of comics I had in storage and deciding what stuff to give away to some various kids, what stuff to keep, and and whatever. And uh, one of the things I dug out was a four-issue miniseries from 1995, Vigilante, uh, which is the you know the cowboy character, the one with the oh, red, yeah. red bandana, the, you know the Golden Age one. They did a miniseries with him by James Robinson and Tony Sammons, with covers by Mark Chirello, and it was called Vigilante: City Lights, Prairie Justice, and it's four issues, and it's you know it's set in the 40s in Hollywood. It's like a pulp noir cowboy western thing. Uh, and I absolutely love it. It, it just came and went. It, I guess it was not popular enough to, for it to be an ongoing series, but it's really a lot of fun. Tonally, it's so different from anything else DC really had done to that point and probably has still done. And it has been collected into a very slim, nice little efficient trade paperback. It's only 144 pages to four issues. Normal price is $19.99. They have it for only $10.99, 45% off. It's a great deal. So the covers alone by Chiarello are worth it. They're so gorgeous, but it's just a really fun story. And, um, you know, it's great. It's the kind of thing where it's, you know, it's part of the DC universe, but it doesn't feel like a DC universe superhero book. So it's, uh, it's absolutely well, well worth picking up. Yeah. There were, if I remember right, there were some controversial story elements about the vigilante revealed in that, right? I'm trying to remember. I don't know. I don't remember that. I don't remember that being, I, I'll have to go back and reread them. I, I remember they're, they're sitting in a pile of stuff. I'm going to reread over again. And they're, they're sitting there right now. So I'll have to do Very that. Cool. So again, folks, please visit InStockTrades.com, your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 45% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. It's good stuff. Great site. So speaking of good comics, uh, I think you told me there are some I, – I, I find this hard to believe. I think you said it was Batman comic books? <laughs> Back to reading. Yes, I found that I am now buying two different Batman titles, which is startling to me. Are you, go, are you, going, are you going through a phase again? Uh, yes, I'm back in college. Um, actually, uh, one of them, well, okay, the first one is uh, Batman Little Gotham by Dustin, uh, Dustin Nguyen, I guess is how you say it. I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. Uh, and Derek Friedolf. So everybody knows it. It's basically like a little kid's version of Batman where all the characters are like little kid-sized. Um, they're done. The whole book is done, I believe, in watercolors. I think it must be done digitally. I, I, there's no way you could do a whole book in watercolors at this point, a monthly book. Um, I picked it. I started picking it up a couple of months ago. The most recent issue features Aquaman in a very large appearance, and of course, reading it just made me want there to be a Aquaman Little Atlantis book. 
because it's, it's, <laughs> it's beautiful. It's really well done. It's very funny. It's really cute. And it's great for, like, all ages. You know, it really is. It's not, uh, it's not so cloying that you want to kill yourself. But it's also perfect for kids. So it's a really sweet little book. And then the other Batman book I found that I'm buying, which just started this week, is Batman 66. Which is, of course, uh-huh. the adaptation of, well, not the adaptation, but a, a version of the TV series done in comic book form. And, you know, when I first heard about it, I was like, is this going to work? Because you know, it just seems like, I don't know, uh, it, it sounds like one of those things that's a great idea, but maybe when you actually do it, it doesn't work. But it did work. The first issue, uh, its features are by um, Jonathan Case and story by Jeff Parker. And it's uh, Batman and Robin versus the Frank Gorshin Riddler and the Julie Newmar Catwoman. And it's a blast. It's a blast. They made it you know, approximate the look of the TV series without copying it directly. Um, it's it's really a lot of fun. And again, a great all-ages book. So I guess now I've found out that when I'm a fan of Batman, a fan of Batman I'm a fan of Batman in every other version except the current one DC's pushing. Because oh, I, I like him as... I like him as Little Kid Batman or Adam West Batman. The other comics don't interest me at all. Um, well, it for, for sounds, like you like, it sounds like you like friendly Batman. I guess so. I don't know. I mean, I used to like Grim Batman. I like Dark Knight Returns like anybody else, but I don't know. But anyway, those two books are a lot of fun, and they are well worth picking up. I know Batman 66 has just come out, so there's just one issue to establish at this point. But I really did enjoy that first issue, so... Um, so would you compare like Lil Gotham um, to like uh, maybe Balthazar's t- uh, Tiny Titans book? Yes, I mean, is that kind of that kind of reading? It's it's more sophisticated than that. Uh, okay. Tiny Titans is, is meant clearly for wee little kids. This is yeah. a little more than that. This has more of a plot and more dialogue and more character stuff uh, back and forth. So it's it's probably like that mid level step. Uh, between you know Tiny Titans and you know I don't know whatever like a fourteen year old would read or something like that. So it's actually I'm sure a fourteen year old boy would not be caught dead reading Batman Little Gotham, but um, it's a really sweet little book. It really really nice, and I'm I'm glad that DC is seeing fit to like let their universe expand a little and do these different versions. And people have suggested uh, in relation to the Batman sixty six book that DC should try this with other ideas, like do an Adventures of Superman comic, make it look like the 50s TV series, do a Linda Carter oh, Wonder wow. Woman comic. I don't know how well those would work, because I think the Batman TV show was so iconic. But I, I, Yeah, the Batman, Batman TV show has just kind of a classic uh, campiness of it that you just, in any era, it works. Yeah, I mean, visually, it's so distinctive. I don't know about the other yeah. series as much, but it's a fun idea. It's a fun idea. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, oddly enough, I myself uh, have had a Batman book on my nightstand lately. I, I haven't cracked it open yet, but I own it, and it it went on a trip with me and almost got read. <laughs> I just didn't have the time. Um, I have picked up upon recommendation of other people, and if I've said this on the show before, I apologize, but I picked up some of the Scott Snyder collected uh, Batman stuff from recently. Um, my interest came from I, – I, I'm a big Dick Grayson fan. I like Dick Grayson. The idea of Dick Grayson being Batman interested me, yet I wasn't willing to get on board with all of that Grant Morrison stuff that was going on when, that, when all that was happening. However, uh, I have heard nothing but great things about Scott Snyder's run, and I guess it was Detective at the time, with Dick Grayson as Batman. So I went ahead and picked that up, and then I've heard nothing but good things about Court of Owls uh, and City of Owls, the, the, the follow-up to that. So I went ahead and I've got those three collected trades, and they're sitting there waiting for me to start reading them, and it's just a matter of time till I pull the trigger on it. 
But I just it's kind of ironic that both of us uh, have Batmans mm. back in our lives at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I said I, I bought an issue of the Scott Snyder Batman a couple weeks ago, or maybe last week, because um, there's a newsstand in my well, it's not my neighborhood; it's a couple of towns over that still actually carries comics. They're a big cool. yeah. And every time I'm in that part of town, I always stop in and buy two or three comics because I want them to keep carrying comics. You know, oh, okay. You know, if, if if nobody buys the comics, and I think I'm the only one that does, uh, <laughs> they're they're going to stop carrying them. So I always make it a point to buy at least two or three, so at least somewhere it's recorded. Hey, we actually are selling these things, and, right? And so I buy, I always buy like one superhero book and one Archie book. So I bought Batman, which is like the first month of year zero. I haven't read it yet. It's again sitting in the pile, and a Jughead Double Digest. So <laughs> I've got those two. Awesome. Got those to look forward to. <laughs> I do enjoy buying the kids' books. Like when I take my daughter to the comic book store with me, she knew, she just immediately goes right to the kids' shelf and she'll go through all the Archies. There you go. Or, or the Adventure Times or the um, Sonic. You know, yep. so I didn't really I didn't realize how big a seller Sonic is. That's Sonic still is still a thing. That's amazing. It's still a thing. It's not just a thing. It's an incredibly successful thing. Yeah. Like they've been selling Sonic for like a long time. That was, that was around in like the nineties. Sonic. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. How, well, why is that so popular? I don't get it. It's amazing. You know, speaking of nostalgia uh, or like nineties kind of stuff, uh, you know, a comic now. I just made me think of it. a comic I really enjoyed. And folks, if you haven't, if you didn't get this, and you grew up in the nineties, like if, if you've had enough of current comics, but you like comics in the nineties, DC right before the New Fifty Two launched did a series of flashback comics. Where they did these like eighty-page giant kind of size things, uh, yeah. and they and they brought back old artists and writers to do stories. They like do on the front half would be a new story, and the back half would be a reprint of one from the you know whatever era. Like this. they did a seventies, eighties, and nineties era. Anyway, they did a great Batman one. It brought back uh, Alan Grant and Norm Greyfogle, who were just those. Those were that was my Batman era. They had a great run on that book. Oh, so good, and um, so they did a, a flashback book. And I had the ventriloquist in it, and just you know, I don't know why that just popped in my head because all the stuff we're talking about. So yeah, if, if you're hungry for old stuff, folks, go back and find that. Wow, it's mm. good stuff. I wish they do more of those flashback books. Yeah, those were but, fun. I remember that; they were fun. Yeah, I think they sold well. So um, let's see some some of the stuff I've been reading real quick. I'll blaze through that. I have sort of dedicated myself to clearing out the stacks of comics <laughs> in my room that have just stacked up. I, I am horrible at buying more than I consume in the world of comics. Oh, so sounds like you're pretty good at it. No, uh, it's true. I'm very good at buying. <laughs> I'm very good at it. So what I'm trying to do is I, I have anything that I had several months worth stacked up, I just slash from my hold list. So it's out, obviously, wow. if I don't need it. Well, and then I have spent a lot of time reading older issues just to get through them. Just so, I mean, Not because I don't want to, but just say, you know what? I have been buying Deathstroke for months, and I haven't read an issue <laughs> in forever. Because I love the character of Deathstroke. Uh, and once Rob Liefeld left, the book got better. So I, I blazed through the whole Deathstroke series, got finished with that. It was pretty, pretty enjoyable. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Terra, so she showed up towards the end. I wish she hadn't. But the rest of it, yeah, I enjoyed. Uh, finally caught up on World's Finest. I've had World's Finest for almost a year just stacking up. And that is a surprisingly good book. That's the one with Huntress and Power Girl. Why do you say surprisingly? 
Well, clearly, if I let it stack up for a year, I wasn't that interested. In it. <laughs> so, and I like I, I as I was going into it, I was going to be like, oh, because I didn't really enjoy the first, I think, six issues very much. I didn't really, I didn't really take to it. And the subsequently, like when they when Huntress teamed up with Damien right before he died and stuff like that, I was like, wow, he's really good. And Levitz and McGuire and Perez were just knocking out of the park. It's mm-hmm. good stuff. I've already mentioned Flash. Flash, of course, is a great comic. Been catching up on Justice League of America. I'd let that, even though it just came out six months ago, I'd let that fall behind. So, um, hey, actually, while we're here in the moment, why don't we take a second to talk about Trinity War? Because we're probably not going to do it on a review episode, I don't think, unless it, it unless it's really critical for our characters. Have you read Have you read any of Trinity War? Uh, I have not, not at all. I mean, I read the one issue of Justice League. Well, then you've read half of it so okay. far. Okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> this will play into something I'm, we're going to get to later on in the show, but you you go ahead. Um, I, I have read half of it as well. I've only read the Justice League issue. I have not read the Justice League of America issue. I, I intend to, but um, it. I, I've read a lot of commentary on it, uh, some from our listeners, some just in general. Um, maybe it's just because the circles I hang out with. The commentary I've heard has not been very positive. But I kind of enjoyed it. Um, not like, this is the greatest comic ever, but it's more like sort of in the vein of, <laughs> here you go, this will sting, in the vein of Identity Crisis in that oh, I, I knew I did that on purpose. I enjoyed Identity Crisis from the storytelling aspect and just the way the characters interacted and stuff like that. It wasn't a happy story by any means. Um, but And this is, Trinity War is not a happy story either. However, all these elements I've been following for the last 22 months I feel like they're starting to come together. The stuff with the new Justice League of America, you know, the stuff with the Justice League, getting to know the new characters. I just, I feel like it's sort of Pandora. I feel like it's kind of starting to weave together. Now, what happened with Superman and Doctor Light was pretty unpleasant. I hope they get that resolved very quickly. But I mean, at the end of the day, even if he's possessed or whatever, Superman still did it. Well, but that, that, yeah, but that character at the end says. That he's fooled everybody into thinking Superman did. Well, here's the thing, though. I think Superman was controlled. Okay. But Superman still did it. Okay. You All see right. what I mean? Okay. You know, if it was someone else pretending to be Superman, that would be different. Mm-hmm. But or, or if, you know, whatever. Maybe it's an illusion. That's fine. But if someone just controlled his body, then Superman is still the one who murdered him, whether he did it intentionally or not. I just don't. I don't want that on his record. I don't think that's right. Mm. So. Uh, the Firestorm aspects were nice. I liked uh, him hanging out with Element Girl and trying to hang out with Adam and Adam feeling guilty. I like how Firestorm got paired up against Green Lantern, the the new Green Lantern. That was kind of cool. And, um, you know, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. I'm very curious. One of the things I talked about on my blog was there's these shots of all the these tarot cards that Madam uh, Xanadu was reading. Beautifully and, drawn by oh, the boys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Gorgeous stuff, and fires, and each one you know had had their name, and almost every name on everybody's card made sense except for Firestorms. His was called the Prison, and I'm like, what? You know, everyone else has sort of made sense. Why? What is that? And there's been we did some speculation on my site, and a lot of people, writers, uh, readers wrote in and said that they thought perhaps what it meant was because when Ronnie and Jason form, they're sort of trapped inside the Firestorm body. Or Jason is trapped inside the body. That could be it. Uh, another person who really thought this through talked about there is a tarot card called the Prisoner, or I think I think they said it's the Eight of Knaves or Nine or whatever it is, um, and that implied sort of like 
you are held at bay by your fear. Okay. Like you're a prisoner of your fear. And it's like, ooh, that's good. That would that that, that would that would be something I could really dig into. So I'm gonna look that bit up while you tell us what you think of Serenity War so far. Well, uh, I you know, I liked the first issue fine enough. Um I guess this is we want to. There was something else I wanted to mention before we got into this topic, but I guess this was the main thing that that uh, sort of was the impetus for this episode. So I guess we'll get into it in terms of the Trinity uh, Trinity War. Um, last week, um, instead of covering the first issue of the Trinity War, which is Justice League on the Shrine, um, usually I would cover it on a Saturday because that's normally the way we do is cover new comics on Saturday. I decided not to mention it because Aquaman had only was only in it for three panels and in those <laughs> and, well he's only in for three panels and for those three panels he said nothing and did nothing. He's just standing there in three panels. And I was like, this is just not enough this is not worth covering, you know, to do. So I decided to run some old splash page from a Super Friends comic and, you know, I was like, Yeah, this is kind of, you know, a little bit lazy, but so be it because I'm super busy with stuff and there you go. So I got a fairly unpleasant comment left on the Shrine about it, basically accusing me of just – and saying the Shrine is, has um, been falling downhill. And uh, the person was basically saying, you don't cover anything new anymore. You're just covering old stuff. And he uh, gave me this list of things that the Shrine has fallen down on the job and covering, one of which was Trinity War. And as I read the list, I mean, putting aside the fact that, that I thought it was very rude the way he stated it, um, which is a separate issue. But as I read it, I read the list. It was like Trinity War, the Flashpoint movie, uh, some other thing and some other thing and some other thing. My reaction to all five items on his list were, I don't care about any of this. I really don't. And... It, it just it sort of made me think a little bit about the shrine and and the mission of it and what we're what I'm doing with it and because I, I started to think that you know am I just becoming like an old fart comic book fan who <laughs> doesn't want to hear about anything new and is basically just like ah things are better in the old days Jim Aparo that's an artist you know what I mean I don't think I'm like that because I certainly enjoy. <laughs> You sound exactly like that, actually. No, that's not true. Because no, because if I didn't like anything current, would I be a wax the car of Reese Prado and Reese for a year and a half? You know, like I don't like I didn't think that's okay. fair. And I I even commented to the guy I said, well, geez, we ran an interview with Paul Pelletier, and like we you know, like I don't think that that's I'm not just talking about the 1970s and going, yeah, that was the best time ever. But at the same time, like when I heard that they're doing Trinity War. My head just sank. I was just like, I just, I can't stand these crossovers, these multi-crossovers anymore. And, you know, part of it is, I don't think super superhero comics are necessarily meant to be read for 30 years. There's supposed to be a certain amount of audience turnover. Because, you know, like, I just can't get excited over anymore over a giant multi-book crossover. Because how many of them have we lived through at this point? You know, like, if you're 15... This is pretty exciting stuff, but when you're my age and you've lived through Crisis, Legends, Invasion, uh, Millennium, uh, Final Night, 
you know, I, I can't even think of like the half dozen other ones that they've done. I'm just, you know, and then just last summer, Throne of Atlantis, I'm just like, I can't, I just can't get excited anymore about it. And it, it sort of, even though I thought the guy was being a dick about the way he brought it up, it did bring up some issues with me because it made me think, well, is, is, if I'm not, if I don't care at all about any of this big crossover stuff they do anymore, these big events, then is the shrine and, and, and my, you know, my reason for doing it just nostalgia is it is just looking back at the things I like and not worrying about the rest. And if that's the case, is that a bad thing? I don't know. You know, I mean, a lot of you guys that listen to the show are bloggers yourselves and you all focus on your own individual things. Some of you that, you know, have like Mike Bailey covers Superman. Mike, by definition, has to very narrowly cast what he covers because you can't cover everything in Superman. You just can't. Um, my The Shrine's mission at a certain point became to cover everything with Aquaman. But over time, that's gone away because I've just gotten sort of like, ugh, you know, I just can't, I just can't get, ex- like, I saw the Flashpoint movie, the, the animated Flashpoint movie, and I watched it and I'm just like, ugh, <laughs> you know, like the whole thing. It's out already? No. Oh. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> well, I mean, I reviewed it on the shrine, so it's not like I'm trying to hide it. But okay. no, it's not out yet, but I have seen it. And, you know, it's fun hearing Carrie Elways be Aquaman, but I, I just, through the whole thing, I'm like, ugh. Like, it just left me with a giant shrug. And so then I think, well, if that's going to be my reaction to, like, almost all new Aquaman stuff, what's the point of covering it on the shrine? Because then the shrine is going to become just, like, grumpy old man dot blogspot dot com. So, you know, I don't know. I, there, I don't I don't have any answers to this, and I'm not even sure that it was maybe the greatest topic to bring up for the show because there is no definitive point to get to. But it, it was, it's been on my mind. It has been on my mind of where I'm like, well, you know, what am I – would I rather look at an old Ramona Fraden Super Friends splash panel than talk about the new issue of Justice League? Yeah, yeah, I would. Does that mean the shrine is losing its – potency as to why it exists or should i just relax and just be like do what the hell i want i'm not gonna worry about it you know and if somebody's upset somebody's upset you know there's not much to be done about it i would i'm gonna address this in a lot of different ways so i'll just i'll answer your last question first which would be yes you should do whatever the hell you want because the blog is yours it's not owned by dc comics it's not part of the the merchandising machine of aquaman it's helpful certainly is don't get me wrong but it's not your obligation to. So the fact with these passions is if, if, you, if you stop loving what you do, you need to get out or change it and make sure you do. Like I used to run a blog called Once Upon a Geek, and it was incredibly successful. I mean I'm just going to brag and, and stay, straight up say it. I mean there's a site called Comic, Book, um, comic Blog Elite, which kind of ranks a bunch of comic blogs. I was like in the top ten for like two years. Wow. I mean the site was getting like 1,700 hits a day. It was, it was doing great. And um, it became a chore. And I finally said, you know what? I, I, I got to walk away. Right. Because I, I eventually just wasn't enjoying it anymore. And I wasn't fulfilling my mission anymore, which was to try and cover all the, some cool geek stuff. So I found a lot more passion in Firestorm. And like you said, with Firestorm, like, I would much rather run a splash page by Al Milgram or Pat Broderick or Tom Mandrake than a page from Justice League. Even though the guy, the boys are great artists, 
man, you know, I, I really love that old stuff a real lot. Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'll give you a, a, here's, here's a real world at this moment example. Some of the old stuff is fun to cover because we haven't, even though you, we've looked at it, we haven't explored it fully because we read those comics as, just as fast as we read modern comics, and there's stuff to notice. I'll give you a real-world example, which is right now I'm sitting at my desk while I'm talking to you, Rob. And I really wasn't listening to you because you talk a lot. But I was looking at this poster that's over my, 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 my computer monitor, and it's this five-foot po- five long poster by George Perez and Alex Ross of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Right. Gorgeous poster, hundreds of characters on it. I've had this thing 10 years now. I don't know. 1998, I think, is when they put this poster out, right? I think is. So I've had this on my wall since then. So for the first time ever, just now, I just noticed, hey, there's Earth 2 Robin. I never noticed him on there before. And then I noticed Sergeant Rock. And it's like, wow, here's old stuff that, at least for me, is still has new elements to explore and discover. So running that Ramona Frayden page from Super Friends, maybe you're going to notice something you never noticed before, and it's worth talking about. So is the stuff, the old stuff's just as valid to talk about. Now, will you lo- could you lose some new people who are like looking for the latest thing? Sure, maybe. And I might have a bit of a different perspective because Firestorm, quite honestly, there's only a few months every few years that it's not nostalgia. Right. Meaning <laughs> I get a series and it gets canceled. So <laughs> it's kind of how it works. So for the most part, it's a nostalgia blog. So I guess I'm more into it and I'm more okay with it than you are. And also, I mean, they're not putting friggin' Firestorm on Super Friends underwear like they are Aquaman all, every day now. Um, so I think it's okay to be nostalgic. And by the way, uh, just just to readdress the issue we were talking about earlier with um, what's this thing called Trinity War? Yeah. Couple thoughts on couple thoughts on that. One. I think part of that is grumpy old man, actually, mm-hmm. because and some of it's event fatigue that we hit from. That's say, the phrase. There, event fatigue. Yeah. Right. It, but the event fatigue hit really full force from like I'd say 2004 to about 2010 or so, because really, truthfully, I don't think we've had a big DC crossover in like three years. Maybe it's only two. But, like, we had Throne of Atlantis, but it wasn't big. It was just two books that crossed over together. Well, there was and, Flashpoint. Okay. I mean, d- fair enough. Then that was two, year- that was two years ago. Yeah, that was two years ago. So it wasn't three years. It was I forgot about Flashpoint. It wasn't um, two, three years ago. It was two years ago. I mean, that's a, two years is a long time in the world of comics to not have a crossover. <laughs> so DC's kind of held that at bay for a long time. And this crossover really is only three, maybe four titles if you count Phantom Stranger, and I don't think anyone really does. So, you know, it's not too bad. It's not like it's a, it's not like it's touching every book. So I gotta say, DC's actually making an effort to sort of control the crossovers. Mm. So, I don't know that Marvel's doing that, because it seems like every time I turn around, they've got an Age of Ultron miniseries going somewhere. Right. But. So here's here's that quick comment, by the way. Uh, it was Keith G. Baker, one of our listeners, and who who talked about Firestorm and the Prisoner, he said, the Prisoner, or Eight of Swords, essentially represents inaction through fear of making the wrong choice. So uh, that, that would actually be pretty cool and, and if that's a deal with Firestorm. But the reason why I brought it up is just because, like, everyone else, like, you know, Cyborg, his card was called the Grid. Well, we know that's tied to Cyborg. And Adam's the gamester, game player. Well, we know she plays video games. And Element Girl's the freak, okay, no duh. Flash is the messenger, okay, Aquaman's the king. You know, Zatanna's the magician. Those are all no-brainers. 
So the Firestorm one is the one that just had me scratching my head like, prisoner? I don't, what? A prison? I don't get that. So, anyway. Um, so, I mean, I feel your pain, buddy. So, yeah. What do you what do you think? Do you think you're going to change the direction of your blog, or are I, you just not going to sweat it as much? Yeah, or? I don't know. I mean, like part of it is I have managed to put up something uh, in in October. The shrine will be seven years old, and uh, I I have managed to put something up every day for seven years straight. Every day wow. for seven years, I've literally never missed a day in seven years, and uh, so like I'm proud of that record, and I don't want that record ever to like be broken. But at the same time, like, um, I, I don't know. It's, like I said, it's, 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 a, it's a weird line for me because, like I said, like, people are really excited about the Flashpoint movie. A bunch mm-hmm. of people have written to me and said, well, are you going to cover it? Are you going to cover it? Are you going to cover it? And so I, well, you know. I, oh, Aquaman seems like he'd be a big part of that. And he is. He is a big part of it. But to me, it's much like the series itself. It's just all downbeat of people being mean to one another. And the movie is even more mean than the comic. Really? Yes. And they killed all of, everyone in Europe in the comic. Yeah, well, you know, I, you know, take that for what it means. Um, but yeah. <laughs> wow. And I just, I don't know. I've just, I, I, again, I don't know whether it's of, the, of the, the fact that I'm of the age that I'm at. And I'm just like, you know, again, it, it, if you if you just listen to the show, it does sound like all I want are things to be cotton candy and nice because all I'm buying is Batman, Little Gotham, and Batman 1966, and I don't like Flashpoint. You know, <laughs> I, well, you know. I mean, if you follow that through line, it's like, oh, okay, you know, here, just read children's books, guy. You know, but it's just I don't know. I just I'm getting to the age. I'm not getting to the age. I am of the age where I'm like, I just I don't I don't get any thrill anymore about seeing superheroes being mean to one another and like being and and like flashpoint i enjoyed it for what it was but i kind of was like look this is just going to be something we have to get through to get to the new 52 so okay um yeah that's how i viewed flashpoint as well yeah i mean i like that argument took such a big role in it but it's like i don't know why do i want to see him like stabbing wonder woman with a trident why do i want to see that i don't think you know um so yeah and 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 so the thing with the shrine yeah it, it just got you know, like a weird thing, and I will mention this just to like to peek behind the curtain a little bit. Like, for whatever reason, um, uh, and you know, again, I get the shrine gets a lot of wonderful feedback, and most of the good things that have come out of my life uh, owe their existence to the shrine in one way or the other because of the connections I've made. You know, like Hey Kids Comics, uh, the book would not exist without the Aquaman shrine. Because mm-hmm. through the shrine, I got to be friends with Paul Kupperberg and J.M. DeMatteis and all these other people that I never had would have access to before the shrine. Um, so, you know, it's brought a lot of wonderful things to my life. At the same time, I get a lot more negative feedback about it than I ever used to. And some of it is quite nasty. And, uh, you know, I'm not uh, – I'm, I'm not – going to say that some random internet commenter calling me a jerk, for instance, which happened this week, is uh, going to upset me because I don't really care what that guy thinks of me. But you got you got a guy you talk to every week on an internet radio that tells you that. There's so. that. I know. Really, I know. I pay for that. <laughs> I pay for that honor. Um, but I mean, at the same time, it's like, you know, I'm not the most thickest skinned person in the world. And to me, it is. It's hurtful. It's hurtful to get personal messages from strangers that say nasty things about a friggin' Aquaman blog. You know, like, really? 
you know? Well, you put a, you put a lot of effort and a lot of heart and soul into that thing, and it's, you know, it, it, you're an artist, so I don't I don't mean to compare it to your art, but it, to some extent, it's a creative outlet for you. And yeah, absolutely. And get negative feedback on, I mean, it's one thing to say, like, you know, I don't like that Ramona Faden page. Fine. But to say, I don't like what you're doing with your site, well, you know? I, I had some choice words I shared with Rob that he could share with the guy. But, you know, basically, you know, screw you, pal. Go read a different site or start your own kind of thing. And that's kind of what I said to him. I'm like, well, when you start your Aquaman blog, you can not cover Super Friends all you want. You know, <laughs> go ahead. It just, it's, I, again, and part of it is, um, I think it was Earth 2 Chris uh, referred to it as, uh, um, oh, shoot, I'm blanking on the, the phrase you used, but it was like, uh, forget it. I'm sorry, Chris. I brought up your name and I don't remember what it was, but it was. This, was it a troll? I mean, there's tro- there's trolls a term for people who. Yeah, leave, it wasn't you know. trolling. It wasn't trolling. Again, and I don't want to spend. I've already spent too much time worrying about it, but it's just. It was just you know it was just something on my mind, and I'd love to hear what everybody else thinks because so many of you run your own blogs, and it would be interesting for me to hear you know what you think. And some of you because of the nature of, of the characters you cover, you just have to pick and choose because it's impossible to be completist. And I used to be able to be completist. Ironically, it's the new 52 that helped ruin that because Aquaman is so much more popular. There's so much more stuff now than there ever used to be. I can't cover it all. You know? Okay, hold on. Hold on. You're asking us bloggers for our opinion because there's just too much to cover. And so, all right, you know what? I'm going to take Frank with his Martian Manhunter. <laughs> D- Doug with his Doom Patrol, <laughs> Luke with uh, Luke with uh, his his Hawkman, you know, me with my Firestorm, and and uh, just say, you know what? Screw you with your I'm too popular problem. Okay, that is you know? not that is not the I have I don't, oh, I don't believe Aquaman is so popular. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, we all can't keep a comic freaking going, and. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a halfway kidding. I'm halfway kidding. Wow. Really sorry I brought any of this up now. <laughs> now, you know, I'm going to take the nostalgia thing a step further. I'm going to reiterate something I said on a Who's Who podcast recently. Keep it shorter. I, I for those of you who don't listen to Who's Who podcast, I recently found my joy in comic reading. Not that you could tell by the list I just read a minute ago, but I found my joy in comic reading, and it's all nostalgia. Since it fits into this nostalgia concept is... I don't get a lot of enjoyment out of modern comics. To some extent, I do. I mean, Flash is an exception. Hawkeye is a great comic, things like that. But for the most part, I find I get a ton of joy out of reading comics from the early 80s, especially like that 1982 to 1988 period. I, I'm now referring to that. That's my um, – that's, that's like my mac and cheese of comics or that's my – I found my joy is really what I keep saying. So – I highly recommend you guys find your joy in comics. Find what era it is or series or whatever that you enjoy and just read the crap out of it. And if there's something you're not enjoying, stop reading it. You know, whether it be a current comic or you're slogging through some old graphic novels, if you don't enjoy it anymore, don't do it anymore. As nerds, we're just so completists that we feel like we have to stick with stuff. But we don't. Find what makes you... For me, again, I'll sit there and read an issue of Micronauts or Sword of the Atom or... Uh, well, I'm hoping it's going to be um, – I've been saying this for, what, a year now. Uh, I can't wait to jump in and read um, Atari Force. But, you know, these old comics that I get so much joy out of reading these 22 or 25 pages that you know, I get six times the story I would in a modern comic, you know, packed into those pages. And I get thought balloons again, thank goodness. And it's uh, – you know, it's, it's, 
I love it. So I'm finding in my comic reading more and more uh, I am really seeking out nostalgia. I mean, I mentioned earlier I, I slashed my, my hold service. Dude, like, I'm down to I, – I, I'm embarrassed to even say I'm down to, like, two or three titles now. Mm-hmm. And part of that's I'm trying to save some money. But part of that's just, you know, you know what? I'm cutting. So, um, it's, you know, nostalgia, maybe that's where, where old, us old folks belong. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, there's no doubt that, like, the, 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 our who's who is, like, way more popular than I ever thought it would be. And that's because it's appealing to a certain age group. Most of the people that listen to the show are around our age, maybe a little younger. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I look at the who's who thing as less than the nostalgia, although it is isn't. It is clearly nostalgic for the the older, i.e. better, DC universe. But um, part of it is a tribute to the art, you know, and the, yeah. the, that that is a big, big part of it. But, you know, like I said, it, I, don't, I don't have any answers, and I don't really even sure I'm even asking any questions exactly. It really was just sort of on my mind. And it was something I wanted to talk about with Shag when we were on the air. And maybe, you know, as you guys are listening, you'll be like, well, this is the worst topic ever. Who cares? But, uh, you know, it, like I said, it just it just sort of occurred to me a little bit that it's it's kind of a curious kind of line to take where, you know, yeah, I could cover all the new stuff. But if I hate all the new stuff, what's the point? You know, like, why am I doing this? You know, yeah. why am I why am I putting this much effort into a blog to cover things I don't like? That seems kind of crazy. You know, um, so, I mean, I, I do love the current Aquaman series. I'm really excited about that. But, um, you know, I said reading the Trinity War and, and reading uh, other stuff, I was like, oh, I don't care. <laughs> you know, like, just don't care. Um, but, you know. Well, folks, why don't you take this opportunity, then, like, so that this segment isn't wasted, as Rob implied. I don't think, I think it's a good topic. I think it's probably of interest. Why don't you guys write in, whether it be on the blogs through comments or our our email address. What's our email address, Rob? Firewaterpodcast at comcast.net. There you go. Get a pencil. Write that down. You should know it by now. Jeez. Yeah, really. We have to, we have to keep telling you. 59 Anyways. episodes in. <laughs> but uh, write in, you know, whether it be your thoughts on nostalgia on a site like uh, Aquaman Shrine or Firestorm Fan or even any other blog, you know, that your thoughts on nostalgia, or your thoughts on nostalgia in comic reading yourself. Like, is there, do you have a joy, uh, did you, have you ever found your joy in certain comic era or style or publisher or whatever? You know, what it, share it with us. I'd love to hear what your joy is. Maybe you're just all about reading Concrete from the 90s, which, by the way, is a damn good comic. Yes, yes, that is a great book. Um, it, it just came to my mind just now, and maybe I was like, oh, I want to go back and read some of those. Paul Chadwick? Paul, Paul Chadwick, yep, yep. Yeah, God, good comment. Great you book. know, maybe that's your joy, or maybe it's Grendel, or maybe it's, you know, I don't know, Archie, whatever. Feel free to share it with us, because that's the kind of stuff I'd love to hear and read and t- share with everyone on the show. Absolutely. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to mention, not related to this topic, but it was, it's certainly worth uh, mentioning. Uh, Daniel Cynical Adams, composer of our theme song, uh, our, our closing song. Um, he sent me this link uh, it was from the Hollywood Reporter, and it's an interview with DC enter- uh, the DC Entertainment Chief. Um, I'm blanking on her name at the moment because it doesn't mention here. But it, anyway, there's an interview with her. From the, her name is Nelson. I'm sorry, her last name is Nelson. I think it's Diane Nelson. I think it is. Anyway, yes, yes, Diane it is. Nelson. Okay, so they ask her, uh, Hollywood Reporter, if it were up to you, what five characters or titles would you like to see on the screen, meaning the movie screen, Nelson? Sandman is right on top. I think it be. I think it could be as rich as the Harry Potter universe. Who? Sandman. 
Oh, I thought you said Stan Man. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, that's what I said. Stan Man. Because that's. That's thing. why I was confused. Because that's the thing. Uh, Fables, Metal Men, Justice League, and yes, I'm going to say it, Aquaman. Oh my goodness. So there we go. So Miss Nelson singled out Aquaman. Now it would have been nice if she had not put in that qualifier. I <laughs> think she could could have just said Aquaman. I mean, I don't know why uh, suggesting Aquaman. As a movie is a more ridiculous thing than Metal Men. Uh, but oh, oh, oh! When you said yes, I'm going to say it. She said that. Yes, or? no, she said that. Oh, I thought you were prefacing it. No, with that, with no, that. no, 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 no. Paying attention to what I'm saying, uh, as usual. No, she is suggesting. Uh, they asked her five titles of characters. She said Sandman, not Stanman. Fables, Metal Men, Justice League, and Aquaman, which is pretty startling to have somebody this high up say Aquaman. Now, again, I wish she hadn't dropped in that qualifier because it again, you know, it sort of underscores, I know I'm going to about to say something ridiculous here. Um, nevertheless, I thought that was significant. Now, I, you know, they've been talking about Aquaman has been in development for years and for her to put Justice League in on the list is kind of cheating because that's the granddaddy of this universe. And, and it's already in development. <laughs> well, We'll believe, I'll believe that when I don't see it. But, I mean, it, you know, it, it's like, you know, it, it, it's like, it, it feels like it's cheating to me. It's like you need to be a little more specific. Metal Men, that's very specific. Fables, Sandman, Justice League. It's like, oh, yeah, I also want to do a movie with all of our characters. Well, yeah, all right, who doesn't want to do that? But I am happy to see that at least Aquaman made, her, made it on her list as a mention. I think that's pretty important. Um, that's wild. Yeah. Absolutely wild. I mean, again, I don't know what it takes. I mean, you have to have some producer develop it. I mean, for a little while, uh, what's his name? Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's production company was apparently optioning Aquaman or something like that. I don't know whatever happened to that. It was several years ago, and obviously it never happened. So I'm not sure. Really? Yes, yes. His I forget the name of his production company, but he he was apparently circling Aquaman. Um, but uh, that that I guess that's over with. I'm not sure how long <laughs> those options last. But uh, so anyway, you know, I thought it was important. I, I, I hope that I, I believe that to do an Aquaman movie right, it would it's going to have to look different than most of the superhero movies. Uh, to me, a lot of these superhero movies look the same, they feel the same, and I would not want Aquaman to be part of that. But if they're trying to build their universe, they're clearly going to follow the Marvel pattern because Marvel has. You can't argue with Marvel's success. Oh my God! No. You you can argue with the quality of it one way or the other, but you cannot argue with their their successes beyond anything anybody ever imagined in terms of movies. So I could see why Warner Brothers would say, "Let's just copy what they're doing because they're doing it right." Okay, I mean they've done something no one in the history of filmmaking has ever done. Yeah. You know, so it's amazing. Um, now I. I Maybe I'm just ridiculously partial to things, but like I still think Mercy Reef's pretty good. So if you take that with even more modern filmmaking storytelling, and you know a stronger single story rather than trying to set up for a series, I mean it, it can work. It can really work for an Aquaman film. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not saying readapt Mercy Reef. No, 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 just, no. That, that's that's almost like a proof of concept, though, that you can make a water-based hero interesting and compelling and stuff like that. Yeah, I just mean I'm I, I'm just thinking more in terms of tone and the visuals. Um, I don't know if you saw there was a, a movie that came out last year, Paul Thomas Anderson's The Master, which is I love that guy. He did Boogie Nights and Magnolia. I love his movies, 
And the opening shots of The Master, which was shot in 70 millimeter, nobody shoots movies in 70 millimeter anymore, but he did, is uh, the main character on this uh, uh, island in Hawaii serving in World War II. And the vistas that he, the colors that he brought out in, 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 in showing the ocean and the water and the, the beach were, were startling and they really were breathtaking. And I was like, it's this kind of widescreen, vista vision type scope that I would love to see an Aquaman movie exist in. Because, as we all know from the line that Mark Wade wrote and has been repeated 10 billion times, he runs 70% of the world. And I think you need that big screen, huge vision behind an Aquaman movie. And I don't know whether anybody would ever do that. I mean, I just can't picture they'd ever invest that kind of time and money. Because I think those movies, they, they, they tend to be small. And I don't mean small in terms of budget, clearly, because all these movies are costing like $200 million. But um, it, it just, like, when I saw Man of Steel, we've never talked about that on the show. Have you even seen Man of Steel yet? I have not seen it yet. Okay. Um, crazy, yeah. crazy as that is. You don't like Superman killing. Don't go see Man of Steel. Um, uh, spoilers, damn it. Yeah, I got yelled at that for something else, too, so I'm just full of that this week. Um, but, it, it, <laughs> it, like, like to me, uh, like, the Green Lantern movie looked chintzy. Oh. It looked chintzy. And I don't mean that it didn't look like it was expensive. It just looked... I thought there was a cheapness of imagination behind it. It just looked like, yeah, there's some CGI stuff and it's glowing and here you, here you go. And I, I feel like if you're going to do Aquaman right, you need to approach it from a more kind of like, you know, artistic view. I can't picture DC ever allowing that to happen. I just think. Hey, here you go. You know. I'll set the stage for you. What you want is that shot Paul Pelletier drew a couple issues ago where Aquaman's at the bottom of the sea and there's just sea life all around him. Yeah, yeah, something like the, that. Majestic, you know. It's just there's there's a majesty to it. Yeah, right. I, I I want I want uh, I want an Aquaman movie to be like Aquaman of Arabia. That's what I want. I want those kinds of you know like I was just talking about with a with a friend of mine today. Um, we we're talking about Lawrence of Arabia, and Lawrence of Arabia is a movie that uh, first of all it's like four hours long, but it's it was shot in widescreen of these vistas, these beautiful desert vistas that really only work on the big screen. You can watch it at home, you can watch it on your DVD player, but it's just not the same. And it's one of the few films that I have held out from seeing. I saw it on on VHS, for God's sakes, like 20 years ago. It's a masterpiece. It's one of the greatest films ever made. But I have purposely never seen it again until I can see it on the big screen. And I know it'll come hmm. back eventually, because to me it needs to be seen in that format. And... That's it's that kind of scope that I would love to see Aquaman. I would love to, to, to convey that sense of the vastness of the oceans and that this guy is the guy that runs everything. But that seems like a very uh, you know artsy approach. And if DC is clearly trying to emulate the Marvel approach, which they're universe building, I don't see them doing. But who knows? Who knows? Maybe you know DC so far and Warner Brothers has allowed more personal visions behind their characters in the movies. I mean, the Marvel movies all tend to feel alike, for better or for worse. Uh, Kenneth Branagh's Thor feels very similar to John Favreau's Iron Man, feels very similar mm -hmm. to Louis Leterrier's Hulk, and that's on purpose. The Meanwhile, Christopher Nolan's Batman movies feel very different than Zack Snyder's Man of Steel. Um, Does it really? 
Yeah, I'd say so. I, the, okay. You know, so, so even though Chris Nolan was involved in Man of Steel as well. So, you know, and like conversely, Wonder Woman. I've always said Wonder Woman should be like a big old Ray Harryhausen movie where, you know, forget villains, forget Cheetah, forget Dr. Psycho, who cares? Have her fight skeletons, have her fight Hercules, have her fight the Hydra or Medusa, you know, have the, make it look like, like almost Clash of the Titans with a little bit of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer in there. But that makes all those films be very different from one another, and that's probably not great for universe building if that's what yeah. you're trying to do. So. Nevertheless, I am very happy that somebody that high up in DC Comics at Warner Brothers gave Aquaman that big of a shout out. That is very good news. Now, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a pin in your balloon for just a second there. I mean, let's let's review the title. She said, "Sandman," one of their largest sellers in trade paperbacks ever. Fables, probably their largest seller in trade paperbacks. I would think maybe Batman, at least of the Vertigo line. Um, Justice League, right. no-brainer, already being worked on. Metal Man, Dan DiDio's personal favorite. And then Aquaman, another one of their top-selling books. So when you really step back from it, her list actually, and I'm just being cynical, isn't really that creative or deep. Hmm. You know, if she if she pulled out The Creeper, you know, or something, <laughs> I'd have been like, wow. Ragman. Okay. Yeah, right, Ragman. There we you just, go, Chad. We just woke Chad up. He's like, oh, what? Um, clearly, I mean, that would be that would be digging. But I mean, this is sort of like these are all sort of surface level choices, you know. Well, I'm going to argue that Metal Men is not a surface level choice. But even I don't care how much Dan Didio likes it. I think the most, but 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 that's true of the other four choices. That is, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so. I got something I want to bring up real quick that yes. I completely forgot about. Uh, Scribble knots. This looks so much fun. Have you ever played Scribble knots before? Nope. Okay, my stepson has it. Um, he has it on his little DS, and he plays it. And this game, if you've never heard of Scribble Knots, it's 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 just this little silly little Nintendo game, and uh, you're a guy running around, and you type in things that you want to appear in the game. Let's say you type in, I don't know, uh, a hammer. You know, like just like a hammer, you can nail, you know, put nails on the wall. A hammer will appear, and you have it, and you can do stuff with it. Um, you could type in a car. And you will have a car, and you can drive around in the car. Me and my stepson, on many occasions, have tried to stump the game <laughs> by coming up with objects it could not have possibly planned for. We have failed. <laughs> the game beats us. It's just, as far as we can't come up with anything, as now you could get really specific and say like a Porsche 911 or something. That's not going to work. <laughs> a but crossbow I mean, made of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Chocolate and crossbow are in there, so they kind of oh, might maybe so. Okay. So, um, you know, it'd be like a crossbow with a jar, a chocolate bar sitting on it, or okay. something. Okay. Right. Um, the game's really smart. I mean, you could do time. Like, I blew my son's mind when I said, "Do time machine." And he did. He's like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, <laughs> and, um, it's just it's a crazy fun game. So, it, where I'm going with this is Scribblenauts has announced uh, Scribblenauts Unmasked which is coming out in September, and it's a series of games set in the DC Universe. And they're going to have over 2,000 characters in it. Wow. Uh, DC characters. They're saying pretty much everyone in DC's bench is going to be there, plus a million variants. Like, I think there's going to be, I don't know, like 100 different Batman. You know, like every kind sure. of Elseworlds Batman you can think of, every era of Batman, you know, crazy, probably Batman animated series action figures that sold just in KB Toys one time or, you know, or something. <laughs> Total uh, justice, Batman. Hey now, that's you, don't mock, don't mock, my friend. I am going to mock because it deserves <laughs> so, to be mocked. 
Well, I'm bringing it up for two reasons. Both of our characters actually play a role here. Um, they just they did a walkthrough at some con or something like that, and somebody videotaped it and put it, they put it up on the web so people can see it. Well, uh, eagle-eyed reader from Firestorm fan Avery um, Avery Barnes caught that Firestorm was in there for just you, you can buy the Firestorm costume. Be Firestorm. I was like, woo! And I know Aquaman plays a big role in it, right? Right, right. yeah. So, I mean, he's in all the advertisements I've been seeing Aquaman is. Did, did, have you seen anything on this? I mean, have you gotten any indication of, like, how many versions of Aquaman there no, are? No, I have not. I have not been paying a whole lot of attention to it, to be honest with you. But the, Dude, I, it's adorable. It is so cute. I've seen it. I've seen it on your site, actually, on Firestorm Fan, so uh, I am paying... I, I, it's one of those things that I feel like, oh, I should pay more attention to that. Again, it's going back to that nostalgia old fart thing. I don't play those games, so I'm like, eh. <laughs> like, it's just not on my radar. But Well, this is this is sort of like uh, Lil' Gotham in that it's just right. adorable and cute and wholesome and fun. Yeah, it looked, it looked cool when I saw it on your site. It did look cool. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't say wholesome because there is like, – I think you can get, like, machine guns and stuff too. But uh, – <laughs> But it's, it's, I mean, my stepson is, has a blast playing, and I, and I enjoy watching him just try and come up with the crazy stuff. And there's also a bit of an element of spelling, too. It's like, how do you spell such and such? <laughs> you know, how do you spell cornucopia? I'll be like, figure it out. Or there's the dictionary, you know, or something. But why do I, anyway. Why do I picture you just keep telling your stepson to type in boobs? I did show him how to... Um, Type that in on a calculator. There so. you go. Okay. <laughs> and with and that, that note, yeah, there we go. On that note, folks, uh, thank you for listening to the Firewater Podcast. We'll be back next week uh, doing something. I don't know what we're doing next week. I guess week. we'll probably be reviewing the new issues, I think. That's the oh, new issues. Yeah, oh, new issue of Firestorm. Cool. Uh, <laughs> no, we'll be renewing, reviewing the new issue of Aquaman. We'll be reviewing Firestorm, the Fury of Firestorm, number two from 1981. Right, 1982. I mean, I can't wait. It's uh, it's my joy, 1982. Look at that. See, I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, so you can shoot us an email, firewaterpodcast.comcast.net. Follow our Tumblr, fireandwaterpodcast.tumblr.com. And you can also uh, go to our sites, aquamanshrine.com and firestormfan.com. You can find us both on Facebook and Twitter under the same handle. Uh, you can also find Firestorm Fan on Google Plus and Tumblr under that handle as well. So, folks, until next time, fan the flame and ride the wave. Bye, guys. Aquaman and Firestorm Fighting crime together Soak them down or burn them up No one does it better Whenever you find trouble They'll always be there To catch them in a bubble Or even torch their hair Stand for truth and justice And see on land and air Firestorm and Aquaman They make a super fair Aquaman Super friends forever. Yeah. I think that number raises a pertinent question. What's that? Why did they do it? <laughs>